And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 219 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Hey, Brian. Welcome back. Thanks. You too, man. How are you doing this week? Uh, I was doing real good till I overindulged a little yesterday. That was... Uh... But I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> wild nights out partying? Oh, I don't know how wild it was, but it was a little, little too much. <laughs> well, it happens. Um, I bought myself a new liquor cabinet and put that together. I might have talked Ooh. about that last week. I don't think I did. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't. Re- I didn't record last week. Yeah, but I uh, am very happy with it. I have freed up an entire shelf in my kitchen pantry. Oh, that's good. That's all. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looks nicer than the shelf I had where it is now, and also I have more storage space. So like, everything's great. Awesome. In that one specific regard. In regard to liquor. Perfect. That's yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, want to go ahead and get into comics? We've got a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Deceased. Dead Planet number one. Man, I am, I am really, really digging this DC stuff. Me too. He has, uh, he has done another wonderful, wonderful, um job at world creating yes um yeah his, so, specifically i don't think i said tom taylor right yeah um y- yeah he's the same person that did the injustice world and um this is this is fantastic probably the best zombie book i have read in my opinion god i don't know a couple of years at least yeah, I'm not a big zombie person, and yet I still yeah, love this. I, I'm not either, but yeah. This I, is... I, oh. I was going to say, I think the, the freeing ability of it being an AU world, right, that has no yeah. can is, is is the only thing that makes this work, right? Because he can do the things that you would, obviously, you could never do in the the, the main Earth Zero. Um, like killing off the Trinity well, and giving their kids yeah. their mantles and... Mm-hmm. Letting Black Canary become the Green Canary, which is still one of my favorite fucking things. That is that is awesome. And apparently, the other Green Lanterns are still around. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, not and not just the Trinity, but I mean, you know, you Aquaman and Hal Jordan and Flash and like, yeah. like most of the OG most Justice of League. the OG Justice League are gone. Cyborg well, is. I take that. Cyborg back. has not, found a way to get ahead, though. <laughs> indeed he has indeed he has we um, are uh in the future relative to when the first series ended yes what is it three years is that right uh ten, ten years i think it's more like 10 yeah because 10 years they yeah. are adults at this point right 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 yeah and yeah at some point cyborg's oh. head has been separated from his body thanks wonder woman 
And Cyborg does some recalculations and decides, oh, you know what? I should call the Justice League from the deepest reaches of space to come back. Coming back seems like the worst possible idea, but they're the Justice League, so that's what they do. Yep. Against the president's wishes. uh, President Lane, yes. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I love Green Green Arrow in this. (laughs) Me too. <laughs> he is so good. He's like, he's like, am I the only one who thinks this is like the worst idea ever going back to this planet? Uh-huh. And Canary's like, yeah, but y- y- you, uh, y- you know, we have to do it. Like, if there's a chance to to save even one of our people, you know, we're gonna take it. And so they're like, I think we should, you know, we should we should vote on it. So she's like, later they're talking. He's talking to Green Canary, and she's like, well, but you voted to go, and he's like, well, yeah. I'm, all the kids raise their hands. I'm not going to sit there and, like, not raise mine. <laughs> yeah, they are fantastic. <laughs> um, I love the two of them together. Awkward silence. Yeah. Um. So everyone does go back, and immediately Zombie Wonder Woman, who we know from Unkillables, is a major, major problem. Yeah, she is a... Uh, probably the, the, the biggest threat to be reckoned with yeah she uh, immediately shows up yeah superman still exists but he's in the middle of the sun eating it yeah so yeah um yeah uh we do get we do get somebody else who did escape from earth as soon as they get back though and comes to greet uh superman the new superman john yes. a good uh, good boy a good good boy yeah crypto smashes right through those green construct shields and uh yeah it's awesome there is no amount of will that can keep a dog from his boy. That's right. Yeah, so uh, they go to find Cyborg's head, and sure enough, yeah, Wonder Woman shows up. And um, I gotta say, that that panel where uh, Canary screams at her, yeah. which, kind of, which she, you know, kind of blocks and withholds against. And then the next page, you turn the page, and you just see Hawkgirl's mace smashing her <laughs> like it's thrown and you just see it full force just smashing her in the face and it is like damn <laughs> don't mess with Shyera. nope or her mace we know about that right yeah yep <sighs> this is just so good and i don't want to i don't want to say how this issue ends but yep, i will I say i was surprised that it was as hopeful a beat as it is mhm and as I say that, I know we're just going to end up more heartbroken before this is all said and done. I'm quite certain we probably will, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the the three, so Damien is Batman, John is Superman, and Cassandra is as the new Wonder Woman. The new Trinity is, is awesome, too. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we get more Cassie. I we do, haven't, too. We haven't seen a lot of her in the first series or so far in this one. Right. And I think getting more of her would be cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on, Justice League number 48. This is a super, super interesting story. It feels so much to me like an episode of the the 2000s Justice League cartoon in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, Like, how good is Wonder Woman in this and her thought processes? She's great. And, like, I love... 
I love the tension that this sets up between her and Batman and Superman because uh-huh. it is really like a very character driven sort of disagreement. Yeah. It makes complete sense why each of them takes the stand they do and why none of them can just like let it go. So what the setup here is is the Justice League goes out to because there's a, a report of a distress signal from this ship. They go out and they see this monster attacking this ship, and um, it, it you kind of get the encapsulation of it right here in this as like a prelude as to how this is going to go because there's this giant thing about to eat the ship, like gnawing on it, right? And uh, Batman is all about uh, you know let's analyze this and figure out what to do and let's get in there and you know rescue the people do that superman is all about well we've got to get this monster off of here right now right yeah the hole Uh, will crack anyone on it will die including batman right i don't want to i don't want to kill it but if i have to you know i'm going to use as much force as i have to 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 keep this right and i can't remember who it is that says this um who Somebody, as soon as they get there, says something about, uh, oh, maybe it's Green Lantern, says, um, uh, oh, no, it's Wonder Woman. We should check the Green, the Green Lantern Xenotype directory. This might not be aggressive behavior. It could just be, you know, it's natural instincts, right? Yeah. And, and Superman's like, there's no time. It's cracking the hole, blah, blah, and, you know, just goes into action, right? So, like, two pages later, Wonder Woman shows up with this meteorite rock and throws it, and... The monster turns and essentially goes after it because while they were doing stuff, she looked up the creature in the xenotype directory and found out that it was really a mating thing and that it would go after the rock which had the egg. Yeah. And oh yeah, uh, about the and it, it it sets up the whole acting before you really know what's going on or figuring out what the consequences are going to be. Right. Right. It's about. It's really a tension between proactive action and reasoned, measured response. Yep. And the tension makes sense because you don't want casualties, but at the same time, you don't know if your actions in an alien environment will make the situation worse. Correct. Uh, It's, there's a, like in, we talk about with emergency situations and, and scouting where the first thing you do if you come up on somebody who's hurt, right, is the first thing you do is not go to them. The first thing you do is look at the environment and the situation and make sure that whatever hurt them is not going to hurt you if you go try to assist them. Because then you just have two hurt people. And it's kind of that, yes, immediate action may be necessary, but there has to be that half step before that of, making sure you're not actually doing something that's going to make the situation worse. Right? That's why they tell you never jump into a body of water to save a drowning person. Right. Correct. Um, so we, we find out that there's a bunch of kids on board the ship who have been set adrift by this homeworld. There's this homeworld that has two factions, very clearly a uh, uh, an organic, you know, life faction, uh, a flesh faction, and a technology faction who like are replacing themselves with technology parts uh and they are uh you know constantly at odds with each other and the only person who can touch both sides is 
the bloodline of the ruling family, who is, you know, half organic, half, you know, this technology. Um, and they go in, and basically we, we get almost the same kind of situation where Wonder Woman's like, we shouldn't interfere here. Like, I, I know it's awful that they set their kids, they sent these kids adrift in the ship and all that, but we don't know the political situation. It, we don't know what their, you know, mores and, like, how this society works and why it works the way it does and all this. And if we start going in and doing stuff, we may make things worse. And as it turns out, their radioing back that they had saved these kids right. immediately made things worse. Yes. Uh, because, I mean, and again, it's sort of the at the surface versus what lies deeper. At the surface, right. it reads as a good thing because this enslave, these two enslaved peoples have banded together and overthrown this empress and removed the mind control units from soldiers' brains and freed children and freed political prisoners. But none of them feels like they know how to rule, so they want the Justice League to do it for them. Yeah, they want their new space gods to to rule for them, to rule them. Yeah. Because the, only the Empress's family has ruled for thousands and thousands of years. None of them know how. Yeah. Right. So everything, all of these unintended consequences keep compounding and keep pushing these two opposing viewpoints further and further apart. Yep. Um, and just about the time that, you know, maybe they're trying to do something, this other world entity shows up like another race shows up and says oh yeah well now that you don't have a ruler yet yeah, now we're going to basically take over yeah we're going to conquer you now that you don't have a, a, a the empress's bloodline who can you know organize you against us essentially yeah, yeah. so it just keeps getting worse yeah. i love yeah. it it's great um i think this is only a two or three issue arc it's Cy Spurrier writing. Yeah, it's at least um, two, yeah. Yeah. But I am so here for the rest of it. In fact, the next issue is out this coming week. Yeah. Young Justice number 16. <laughs> Whatever happened to Bartholomew Allen? Yeah, um, this is, uh, this, this book is probably doing more to question and advance the whole, uh, uh, rebirth thing than anything else right now yeah i'm really curious to see and <laughs> i think some of this was already a little messy yeah before the the shipping hiatus from diamond and i think it's even messier now in that i could not tell you in terms of timelines yeah how this and the conversation in Action Comics a couple of weeks ago with, uh, uh, I almost called him Blue Marvel, Mr. Terrific. Oh, yeah. And the Adams and right. whoever else talking about Connor and Connor's history. Like how this lines up with that and how all of this lines up with, I think all of this takes place still before the end of Scott Snyder's Justice League run. I think so. But now this, it, it very clear this that's happening in Young Justice happens before the action comic stuff. Yeah, it has but, to. And I think right. all of it has to come before that and before Death Metal. Yes. Yeah. If I had to hazard a guess, I think what we're seeing is that Generation Zero, Generation One event 
uh-huh. having gone away and some of that lore work happening across Bendis's books instead. That could be. Yeah, because they just they just pretty much scrapped the idea yeah. of that generation well, stuff, right? And as far as I know, yes. A lot of the free comic book day stuff has been resolicited starting actually this coming week. Okay. Uh but that free comic book day issue is still unaccounted for. Uh, all of those one-shots are unaccounted for in solicitations. And really, that project was being spearheaded by Dan DiDio, who left right. DC shortly before everything ground to a halt. Yep. So, my guess... And Scott Snyder has said that, without getting into details, that changes in the plans at DC because of the delays caused by diamond ch stopping shipping and other things presumably those other things could mean the generation they, stuff yeah. going away yep that he's been given more room to expand death metal and more leeway in what he does in it wow okay yeah so we'll talk later about like some one shots that have been announced for it and things like that yeah. but i think all of that is to say like this is the new plan. I think this is the answer instead of the generation stuff. I, I don't I don't dislike this. Um I like this I, a I, lot yeah. actually. I like the yeah. idea of and it feels like it's still maybe of a piece with that. Like it feels maybe it has some of that DNA in it. Mm -hmm. But I like this idea of saying, well what really what really gives us a tie to our history, it's all these legacy characters. Yep. So essentially what we got is the last issue, we got um, Bart giving us an explanation for how Connor. <laughs> right? How am Connor? How, how Connor. Um, and so in doing that, he basically, it's kind of what we um, theorized is that crisis happened while Connor was in Gym World, and because he was in a different dimension, it kind of just skipped and did away with him and so he survived by being outside of the world reality yeah yeah um so and kind of the same as a little true for bart it turns out yeah so bart was fighting mirror master who sent him somewhere like between dimensions he sent him into the gutters yeah exactly um, if only Gwynpool had been there, she could have saved him. But, <laughs> oh, um, I need that crossover right the fuck now. <laughs> An impulse Gwynpool crossover? I mean, can you imagine him never stopping moving and her, like, <laughs> being her? Yes. Yep. Throwing a little Quentin Choir just absolutely done with all of it on the first page. <laughs> I am here for it. Call me DC and Marvel. I love it. I love it. Um... Yeah, so he getting out of that ends up in like a fu a future where Young Justice has died. So he asks his uh, he asks his doctor, who is Doctor Quinzel at Arkham, because he has been thrown in the Teen Wing of Arkham, right? Which you know the fact that that exists is its own problem, and essentially nobody knows exactly what happened to them. Yeah. But they've and been dead for like forty years, right? Um, yeah, this is a much much older Harley, yeah, yeah Quinzel. Um, and so he comes back in time, and that's why he feels like he has to put Young Justice back together. 
Yeah. So that they can be together to stand against whatever it is that they fell against before. Well, and when he comes back in time, he comes back to a time where they hadn't been together anyway. Right. Because time has shifted, reality yep. has shifted while he's been, probably while he was in that void, really. Yes, probably. Yeah. And of course, Drake shows up and hears all of this. Uh-huh. So they're going to go to the Hall of Justice and try to get some answers. Yeah. And I think that, and that, because the plan had been at the end of the last one that they were going to go the next morning to the Hall of Justice so Connor could talk to Superman. And that's yeah. what happens in action, right? After Superman and Plastic Man give their web live stream of Their live whatever. stream, yes, yeah. event. Sure. <laughs> I love that detail. I know, I, I do too. I, I, I do too. Um, yeah, so... That's what's happening here. And essentially, at the end of the last issue, um, everybody kind of went their own way. But they went their own way with the understanding that they are, that Young Justice is a team. They are all members of it, meaning that includes Spoiler and Arrowette and uh, Dialogues for Heroes and, Kids. Yep. Yeah, like all, like all of them. All of that uh, Wonder Comics group. Yeah. The Zane and Jaina, right? Uh, they're all members of Young Justice and can call on each other for help. And, you know, they don't have like a regular meeting time or anything, but they're going to, you know, occasionally presumably get together. And yeah. Zan is going to uh, get them official status as essentially Young Justice League <laughs> members. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So all that's happening. Yeah. yeah. I get the impression for at least like the next arc, maybe. Yeah. We're going to kind of get some smaller, more character-driven, like, here are two yep. or three characters at a time. That instead. that would be my guess, is that we're going to move through several, uh, you know, kind of either partnerships or three characters yeah. at a time type thing. And then, you know, I would probably six months or so from now, we'll get another everybody back together for yeah. something big. I know September's issue is about Drake and Spoiler. Oh, I love it. I love yep. it. I want to know what happens with those two. Me too. Those two crazy kids. I know it. Alright, speaking of crazy kids, Red Sonia number 16. Whew, man. Wow, she really steps into these things, doesn't she? She does. Um, just kind of wow. Um, so she has, in order to get aid for her kingdom, which was which they had to basically burn all their crops and throw everything out in their war to win their war. Um but in doing so now they have they're they're victorious, they're free, but they have no food and they're all starving. Yeah. So she goes to her old kingdom of Katai where she served under the war master there, uh, where she trained and agrees to be the new king's war master in exchange for him sending aid to uh, Hyrcania. Yeah. Wow, is this guy, like, just, he's just awful, isn't he? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and, like, she knows it, and he's the one who betrayed and killed her, the former war master, her mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is very much a repudiation of, like, the military side of capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the way that bodies, people's bodies, are commoditized. 
Uh, in this case, young male-bodied people are sent into the army, mm-hmm. and even younger female-bodied people are sold into sex work. Yes, they are given to the College of Concubines. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and my my quote of the week is from this, and I just think it, it. This one's not humorous. I just think this is just a phenomenal quote. And they're talking, and they're talking. They're going to go. She's going to have to lead these boys on as an army to conquer a their first land because the king. The reason he wanted her is to basically start creating an empire to go conquer lands. And so the first one, he's she's. There's a comment that all these campaigns, snatching lands, having it snatched back, you'd think at some point they would realize how pointless it all is. Every great empire crumbles. Every conqueror is someday the conquered. They play a game that only produces losers. And he goes, yeah, I know. It's just the only game they have pieces for. Yeah. Wow! Nice work, Mark Russell. Indeed. (laughs) Oh! Like... Why do you keep playing this game? Because it's the only game they know how to play and that they yeah. can. So that's what they do. Ouch. Yeah, it's God, it's so good, though. I, I love Mark Russell writing this book so much. Agreed. Yeah. We also have Killing Red Sonia. Number two came out this week. Um, I say this week. Some of these books that we're talking about came out last week. Last week, yeah. Two. We're talking about two weeks books together. Um, in the past fortnight, how's that? I like it. Um, this continues the prince's journey to find his vengeance against Red Sonia. Um, and he learns a couple of things. One, maybe he is not being taken as seriously as he would like. And two, uh more we learn than he learns with all of the like decimation and war that we saw throughout the first 12 issues of red sonia and with so many fallen kingdoms magical beasts have sort of come out of the woodwork and started taking up more space in the world which i think is something we remarked on in number one that like we were seeing some stuff in this that we had not been accustomed to seeing in red sonia under Mm -hmm. mark russell and this kind of gives us a reason why. Yeah, which makes sense, you know. What's when kingdoms fall or fail after a war, then you know they can't stop the brigands and you know the, in this case, magical creatures from yeah, yeah, proliferating. It's almost like the social construct is designed to keep bad things from happening to everyone. Hmm. It's almost that way. Yeah. Huh. Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, The Death of Nancy Drew, number two. So uh, number two, I read one and two both this week, though. Um, Oh, my God, this series is good. Um, There was a huge outcry when this series was announced. Like a massive uprising. How the hell could they even think about doing this to a character like Nancy Drew, right? Uh, I, you, you can't kill Nancy Drew, right? And, yeah. you know, the first issue came out, and sure enough, it starts out with Joe uh, trying to figure out he can't accept that she just died in a car wreck. He, you know, even though everything shows that it was, you know, like there was a, a recall on a part that they think is what failed, and, like, 
but Joe just can't accept it. So he starts investigating and getting in some trouble, and Frank comes and bails him out of jail, and you know, basically is like, I'm I'm driving you home to mom. You have to let this go now. Um, but he won't. And then something happens at the end of the first issue, and we find out maybe Joe was right. <laughs> Just maybe. Um. <clears throat> so the second one has he and Joe, or I mean, has Joe and Frank uh, working together. And yeah, they start finding some evidence and putting some pieces together. And uh, there's a, there's a, there's there's a bit of a twist and it's really good and I love these characters so much and seeing them in a world that uh, allows them to grow and treats them in like a modern you know how you would treat characters today in a story as opposed to you know how they were written in their yeah. original books right uh it, it's super super good like the bobsy twin the the this this spins out after the uh the big i think it was called the big lie um which was the first series the that had nancy and the hardy boys essentially finding out who killed frank and joe's dad right uh turns out it was this thing called the syndicate who which was run by created and run by uh the father of the bobsy twins <laughs> right um, and like, so the Bobsy twins, the only thing they have left is a franchise that their dad bought for them because they like the chicken sandwiches there. <laughs> so they're having to work at the, at the Chick-fil-a. <laughs> yes. Uh... Yes. Um, but just seeing, and, and like, uh, Nancy's dad, Carson Drew is the only one who he was the lawyer for the syndicate like not knowingly so he wasn't like involved in all the criminal stuff they did but like was shady enough in his dealings that uh essentially he would have gone to jail if he had not turned evident you know state's witness kind of yeah. thing against them so he's no longer can practice law and has been ostracized and uh Mary Ann Bobsey you know, obviously her husband, he, all of their assets were seized and all this stuff. So she's been ostracized. No one will talk to her. So the two of them have started a friendship. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it's so, so good. I love seeing these characters utilized in a in a modern day setting. Cool. Yeah. How about Adventure Man number two? I, I just need this book straight into my veins. I need I Adventure Man intravenously. This is so, so good. There's nothing about this that I don't like. I love Claire. Oh, Claire's the best. Uh, I love the art. The Dodsons mm -hmm. are just so, so good, always. They never, never disappoint. And it's uh, such a fun story. I I even love her son who is the type of character that normally I would not like. Yeah. Right? He, I mean, yeah. The, the scene where he will not respond to her because he is in class is just... Oh, my God. It's so, so good. good. She's trying to text him to get, it some, to get him to look something up, and he's like, he's like on the DL trying to like text his phone, like trying to say, I can't talk, I can't use my phone right now, I'm in class, you know, and of course he gets busted. Yeah. Yeah. And her comment, like, 
how dare he not respond to his mom <laughs> and follow the rules? Come on. <laughs> yeah. So this issue sees Claire uh, realize that maybe there is something special about this Adventure Man book. After her son points out that it actually has a published address for the headquarters. That is the same as the publishing company in all of the Adventure Man books. And she decides to go investigate mm -hmm. after some monster ruins some perfectly good souffle. No kid, right? Bugs are not an ingredient in chocolate souffle. They are not. And she goes to this address and sees this big, beautiful Art Deco building that she's never seen before, that no one else seems to be able to see. And goes in and is greeted by one of... Are they called Inve Adventure Inc.? Is that what the group name is? Yes. She's yeah. greeted by one of the former members of Adventure Inc. And told, yeah, uh, just be brave and strong and you'll be fine. And then the robots start attacking. Yeah. Um, point out, on the way here, she's on her scooter on the way here. Did we know that she was a former police officer already? I think that is new information. I think there was a hint that she had a like more exciting life than running a bookshop in the right. first issue. But yeah. I don't think we knew she was a former police officer. Yeah, she drives by on her scooter and grabs the coffee out of uh, out of the hands of a cop. <laughs> and the other cop's like, I can't believe somebody just did that. We gotta go. We, let's go get it. And he's like, calm down. She used to be one of us. Yeah. <laughs> and also, he wanted good. his coffee black, not with two sugars and cream anyway. So it's right. no big loss. Exactly. Um, yeah, so she gets inside the building here, and it is essentially, you know, the abandoned headquarters of this group. And it's got dilapidated, falling apart stuff in it. Yeah. I love I love the way she solves the how do I beat these echolocating robots in the dark puzzle. Yes. Yep. Um, and I love the last scene where she shows up to this week's family dinner. Like, just that, guys, I had the weirdest day or whatever is such a great splash page. Yeah. And, like, she figures out that she has to remember from the stories what the code phrase is for the elevator to work. Yep. To the greatest unknown. Cue lyrics from Frozen to here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, like, she, yeah, I love she shows up for dinner and like her pants are all ripped up and her shirt's all torn and all this. And she's like, wow, I had the craziest day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. So good. Doctor Strange, number five. Uh, let's see. Who is it? Doctor Strange and uh, is it Doctor Doctor Druid? Doctor Druid, yeah. Doctor Druid, yeah. yeah. So Stephen is further investigating who has broken into his sanctum. What does he call it? The sanctum forge. The sanctum, yeah. or something. Uh, and. Basically created all of these weapons, Sanctum Machina. There we go. Um, to create all of these magical weapons that they are selling to people on a black market. Yeah. And these weapons are unstable and not bound correctly. And yep. like not just dangerous by virtue of being magical weapons, but unstable and extra dangerous. Yeah. We get some good Gazelma. We do. I also yeah. enjoy the, like, fight at the top of this between him and Smile and, uh, was it Smile and 
Uh, it is Sulk. Sulk, yeah, Smile and Sulk. Uh, Mr. Smile and Mr. Sulk. Yeah, they have these two hammers, one of which breaks things down, and the other of which basically builds things to be hyper dense. Yeah, one is one is a uh, a hammer of chaos, and one is a hammer of order. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, entropy and the opposite of entropy. Neg entropy is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it turns out that they don't get along very well when they connect with each other. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Stephen and Dr. Druid go on a stakeout to see who is selling these weapons. Yep. And I love that. So they're they're basically going to this auction, and they know that they can't magically disguise themselves because clearly if they're, you know, this place is a magical city that they're going to, and... You know, it's an auction for magical. You know, they're going to detect any kind of uh, magic. Spell they're that they they're very good at detecting yeah. magic. Exactly. Um, so he asks um, Mr. Fantastic to send him some image inducers. Yeah, and they use technology to do it. I love it. I would never, ever, ever in a hundred years have guessed. Who was behind this? I wouldn't have either. And it's such a perfect choice that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. It's Madame Mask. It's Madame Mask because, hey, she got real good at magic while fighting Doctor Doom as Iron Man. <laughs> yep. Now I've oh, got my so fingers good. crossed for a Doctor Strange Kate Bishop team up. Oh, that would be so good. That would be so good. Yeah, and sure enough, she she knows that there's something up with... Uh, with the person that they're posing as, and sure enough, uh, finds the image inducer and gets, you know, is ready to uh, unmask Stephen and uh, Stephen Strange, and finds out that it's not him. It's Doctor <laughs> Decoy. Druid. Yeah, Doctor Decoy. I love it. And uh, yeah, Stephen is there in the city, uh, basically. Uh, you know, the odds against me are impossible. It's me against the whole city. But they don't know I'm here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Here we go. I love it. I love it. All right. Last one. Empire. Fantastic Four number zero. What did you think of this? I I enjoy the way all of the characters are written in it. Uh-huh. More than I care about the actual setup, if I'm being honest. Okay. I, um, that is a very fair like I like the story. Uh, it was uh, like this story, right? Yeah. I'm I'm having a hard time. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the whole setup for this empire thing. I don't know. It's just not grabbing me. Like, yeah, I think I think this is a. I think this issue suffers a little bit from just its timing. I think if this had come out before yeah. the Avengers issue, it would have been. It would have felt more more necessary in yeah. terms of. Finding out what's going on, finding out that we've got this truce. But yep. we kind of already know all of those things. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of, like, the Grandmaster makes two people fight as a plot line like that. And it's not just a Grandmaster thing, or in this case it's the promoter, but, like, anytime there's a... What's that DC underground fighting ring that occasionally pops up? The lady in the oh. red dress with the snake tattoo runs it. Yeah, um... Uh, I, I keep wanting to say Viper, but that's not it. It's, uh... But yeah, I know I know what you're talking like, about. It's just yeah. 
cage match style issues never really do a whole lot for me. Um, and that's like a lot of what this is. Now that said, Franklin and Valeria and Sue teaming up to game a casino. Yeah. Is pretty well, I, I love that, that they don't like when they get ready to go in to this, right? They're like, no, you, you two stay here and guard the, the car the, yeah. or the ship, right? Because we'll, we'll need the ship to get back home. Da, da, da. And they go in, and Valeria's first thing is, okay, I totally read what they were saying to us here. They wanted to leave us behind with the ship because they know I'm going to make a level intelligence, and this is a casino. I totally got this. Yeah. Like, reading that they wanted her to go in and use her intellect to, you know, get the money that they need yeah. for whatever. And she totally screws it up. <laughs> I think this is, and I think what I'm getting to as as sort of I talk through it, I think yeah. this is a much stronger Fantastic Four issue yes. than yeah. Empire issue. I agree. I, 100%. Um, 100%. Like, I still really enjoy it. I love the way all of the characters in this are written and the way they interact with each other. I'm just ready for Empire number one already. Like, yeah. After the Avengers Zero, one needs to be the next thing. I think if you flipped the order, that actually would solve a lot of the, a lot of the, the problem. I, I, I will agree with that assessment. Yeah. Um, that being said, I do like... So what's going on here is the promoter basically at this casino has the never... Basically continuing the, the Kree-Scroll War will never end here for your entertainment. Yeah. And she has this, like, young teen Cree and uh, male Cree and this young teen female Skrull who have been raised to hate each other and they're just battling again and again and again in all these different scenarios from the war. Raised to hate each other and have the entire collective histories of their respective peoples burned right. into their memory. Yes. So, like, they're a living, not just a living history, but they're, like, a living history of conflict. Yeah, right. The um, embodiment of the of the war, right. Um, the thing that I most want to see come out of this is I need uh -huh. to see, like, the two of them as students in the Future Foundation. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Like, I need, I need them, like, trying to get along with the Moloid kids and... Kid Galact, not Kid Galactus, Kid Gladiator, and like yep. the other students there just for a day. Um. Well, and so here's the thing: is uh, Human Torch and Thing break into the arena, right, to to try to stop this. And so, what they do, I, I absolutely love this. So the scenario that Reed calls up on the computer for them to fight in is. The blue area of the moon, the old Inhuman base, where the Kree and Skrull basically had to team up together to fight the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And so they forced them, these two kids, to do that again. And I think that's one of the things that is a really smart hook for Empire. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's the best piece of this yeah. from an Empire standpoint, by far. Um, and, yeah, so, and, you know... Basically, Thing and, and Torch take a dive, essentially, <laughs> so that the kids win. And they're like, well, they both, they like, they look at each other, they're like, well, we both won. 
what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the promoter yeah. has been so distracted. I'm sorry, not yep. the promoter, the profiteer. The profiteer, yes. The promoter was the uh Yeah. The Eternal from Jeremy Whitley's Thor Hulk series. Yes. Yeah. The Profiteer has been so distracted by Ben and Johnny mucking things up and Reed fighting her that she has not noticed Valeria and Franklin and Sue grifting the entire casino to the point that Valeria Richards now owns this space casino. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, because uh, Sue has been invisibly helping their odds. <laughs> Lady Luck. Lady Luck, yes. I love it. Uh, yeah, super, super, super good. Yeah. All right. Is it still good? Billionaire Island, number two, Brian. Oh, yeah, this is still good. Our reporter finds out how to escape from her giant gerbil cage. King of Nowhere, number three. Um, we meet some fish parents and learn that perhaps actions have consequences. Something is killing the children, number eight. Erica realizes that sometimes the only thing you can do is play the hand you're dealt and does that as the sheriff learns what's really going on. Batman number 94, Brian. Uh, this is the final part of the setup before Joker War starts. Uh, and, you know, Batman and Selina ended not on great terms, and Selina is now. And so everybody in Gotham knows that this is coming now, and the Penguin has taken Selina out of the hospital where Joker was going to go kill her. and. Basically, her and a bunch of the other Batman villains are in lockdown in his cool room. Yep. Yeah. Batman and the Outsiders, number 14. Black Lightning powers up thanks to Batman as Cassandra and Duke go with Lady Shiva to track down Raish. Doom Patrol, The Weight of the Worlds, number 7. The team infiltrates planet cliff to stop him from basically pulling a galactus to try to save everyone from ever feeling pain as casey takes into the underground to tell jane how to stop this crazy thing the flash number 757 brian uh even a speedster can't be everywhere at once which is too bad because uh like five different attacks by different villains are happening all simultaneously to try to destroy Barry's life. Superman number 23. Superman goes to therapy with Dr. Fate. Yes. That is such, such a, a good, good issue. It, it really is. Like their conversation is really, really good. Yeah. We also, I'm going to break format here for a second. Sure. The, the villain for this arc is the Lord of Chaos. And I love the idea that Superman is feeling sort of out of control of his personal life yep. and now has to fight the magical embodiment of chaos. Yeah. Well, and I love the fact that Lois and Batman and a couple other people basically wanted him to go talk to Dr. Fate because they want to make sure something isn't causing him to have told his secret and reveal himself to the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonder Woman number 758, Brian. Um. Wonder Woman battles Phantom Stranger 
to end a generations long blood feud. Bitterroot number Bitterroot number nine. The Sangares up in Harlem try to figure out what's going on with this new breed of well, not Jinu. Uh while the team down in Georgia tries to survive Ardo's attack. Nailbiter returns, number two. We learn a little bit about Warren where Warren has been and find two more uh, 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 serial killer victims dead in Seattle. Olympia number five. Uh, this really just wraps up the story with the big battle between Olympia and uh, the villain who has chased him to Earth. It's a really sweet kind of ending and teases maybe something else to come. Uh, Reaver number nine, Brian. I think you actually wanted to talk about this one. I marked it incorrectly. So yeah, that's, feel free that's to fine. take um, a little longer. So yeah, this is the second issue of the new story uh, for, for Reaver, for the new arc. And, um, or maybe it's the third. Uh, it, it, regardless, this is, uh, a, it's a new story that's focused on just uh, uh, Essen Breaker and specifically kind of some of his past. And uh, I can't remember her name. I want to say it's Rakala. But it's essentially she's the the cannibal uh, who is just possibly the best character in this in this book. If you did not read the first arc of this, hi, um, <laughs> Ali, you need to pick up this trade. And okay, read this. it is so so good, and it's it's one hundred percent the characters they have in it. Cool, yeah. Strange Academy number two. We see the first day of class at Strange Academy. And someone asks a very important question. If all magic has a cost, how is the Academy paying for the students doing magic? X-Force number 10. uh, The X-Force goes into Costa Verde to save the X-Force. And Jean has had enough of it. Quantum and Woody number 4. The series wraps up earlier than planned. Uh, as we learn who has been feeding Woody the information about the future that he's been relying on uh, for this series. Vagrant Queen, a planet called Doom, number four. Elita takes the fight to Brother John and figures maybe it's time for her to actually rally the troops instead of running to hide. Do you know what time it is now, Ryan? Is it long box time? It is long box time. It's a long box book report. It's a long box book report. So, I uh I am handling long box duties this week. Mhm. Uh Brian provided me a pair of options in the week since we last recorded. One of which was the book I will be talking about. The other of which was Green Lantern Volume 2, number 167. I think when I say what this book is, it will be obvious why it had to be a long box. I was so happy when this book showed up and it was one of the options. <laughs> I feel like this this book somehow was predestined to be a long box book. It, it, it definitely captures the spirit of what Longbox is supposed to be, yes. This is Son of Ambush Bug, number four of six. <laughs> yep, I love it. 
I did not hesitate at all in choosing <laughs> this book. Um, my decision was made for me, and it was the right call. The first few pages of this are sort of parody tabloid pages. Uh, we see the the cover to the Comics Inquirer, um, and these pages sort of tease what will be elements throughout this issue. Uh, there's also an editorial by, I'm assuming, a fake person named Arnie Glib that seems like the the genesis of Reddit r slash am I the asshole? <laughs> um, I'm going to read an excerpt from this. I will not read the whole thing. Here is how it starts. The other day I was playing handball with my girlfriend Dina when she mentioned how much she enjoys the comic book from DC called Ambush Bug. We soon began to argue the merits of the book, my position being that the comic in question is complete and utter swill, and that therefore Dina must be a tasteless cretin, not to mention a swill hound. Suddenly, and to my profound amazement, Dina burst into tears and ran off the court right in the middle of the argument. I haven't seen her since. Um, he then proceeds to detail having similar exchanges with other people, including his mother. Um, I was a little worried, actually, at first around this point of what have I gotten myself into. Mm -hmm. That then turns into, like, a blind item, maybe this is true, maybe it's not, gossip column. Um, which has my favorite image of this issue, Snoopy as the ambush bug, with the, uh, gossip line, it has come to our attention that Keith Giffen may, and we stress the word may, be preparing to throw his wild and unpredictable career into a bizarre new direction by swiping from the work of Peanuts creator Charles M. Schultz. Is this true? It should be. <laughs> After... Yeah, for those of you who, who don't know the history of Ambush Bug, he is very much a... Uh, I, I think the best thing I can ascribe him to is much like the Nuff Seds from Marvel where it's just almost like a Mad Magazine-style yeah. conglomeration of things. I mean, I can honestly draw some lines between how the rest of this issue continues mm -hmm. and something like Fraction's current run on Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Yes, yeah, that would fit. Um, um, there's a little bit of a Deadpool feel to him and that yeah. can break fourth wall a lot, right? And I'll, remember, all of this is from, like, the 80s, so <laughs> this yeah. is... Yeah. And this is, Brian, help me out here. Is this uh -huh. intentionally meant to be an Animal Man costume? I believe it is, yes. Because this also has some very, like, Grant Morrison vibes. Yeah. In that the beginning of this arc starts with a series of text boxes that are all written in the second person. Narrating... As a sentient sock wearing an ambush bug costume navigates the subway carrying one of Superman's boots as part of a plan for his master, Argyle? Yes, Argyle, yes. <laughs> yep. Um, and then we cut to Ambushbug himself getting into an argument with the captions and the revelation that, uh, Robert Lauren Fleming, the scripter for the series, has declared himself the caption king and is trying to control everything Ambushbug does through his mind-controlling captions. There we go. That sounds about right. Um... 
Which leads to a confrontation between Ambush Bug and the Macrowave, a giant robot radiating Kirby Crackle. And Ambush Bug realizing, wait a minute, you don't plot or draw this comic, so that means something, that means you've somehow forced Keith Giffen to help you. What we've always feared has finally come to pass. A writer in complete control of a comic book. Because <laughs> uh, this was, of course, from the days when the plot was done by Keith Giffen, and then he drew it, and then someone came behind and scripted in the actual dialogue. Right. In this case, Robert Lauren Fleming. Yep. Uh, the rest of this creative team is Bob Oscar on inks, Tony Collins on colors, John Costanza on letters, and Julius Schwartz editing. Ambushbug then wakes up from this nightmare <laughs> and uh, proceeds to get ready. We learn that he'd been sent to hell and just got back and is pretty much fine other than when he looks in the mirror, there is a big 666 on his forehead. Um, he had been sent to hell by the Interferer, which is this omnipotent cosmic creep. We then cut to the secret origin of the Interferer, who was a comic book writer on a planet where comic books were very successful. He then became less popular as a writer, went to throw himself off of the top of the building he lived in. On his way down, had one last idea, because he was out of ideas, which combined with the solar radiation to turn the origin story into his head into his origin story as the interferer um and we then see him like start trying to consume planets or whatever we go back to our sock in the ambush bug costume who's now in prison after getting mugged because the cops needed to meet their quotas and didn't like his face he calls his boss argyle who's going to go bust him out with his sock puppet cronies until he gets a letter from DC Comics telling him that uh, 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 John Byrne has right of first refusal on anyone using Superman or parts of Superman's continuity in their plots. So he may not use Superman's boot and his entire base explodes and that's the end of that whole plotline. <laughs> um, now Ambush Bug is at the Interferer's headquarters. The Interferer zaps him out of reality into a boxing ring and then into a wrestling ring and then into a game of pac-man um the reason he has gone after the interferer is the interferer has kidnapped his sidekick which is just an inanimate doll probably oh cheeks yes yeah yeah um we then get the possible origin of cheeks as a nazi project to make uh, a doll that is both irresistibly cute and disalarmingly lifelike. Sorry, disarmingly lifelike. Mm -hmm. uh, Ambush Bug then gets thrown into a cover of an issue of Conan, much to the interferer's amusement, but then decides that his over-the-top hijinks will never actually defeat Ambush Bug. The only way to defeat him will be sincerity. So he wakes up in bed again to a knock on his door, uh, where a cop comes with a warrant to arrest him. And that is Son of Ambushbug number four. Uh, one of the more delightful long boxes I have ever gotten. Excellent. I am so, so happy. Yes. And on that note, we have made the decision that 
We are going to, while we are bouncing some between regular episodes and episodes about trades or runs of comics, mm-hmm. we're going to keep the long boxes to the episodes that focus on a single series. Right. Which Brian argued very logically for, I'm sure, coming from a place that had nothing to do with it being his turn to do this next. I don't know what you're talking about. Nope. Yeah. No. So it's... we're we're gonna have we're gonna do a regular episode again next week. Yes. Uh, so two weeks from now will be a we're gonna do Umbrella Academy, right? Yes. Uh, in anticipation of season two of it coming out, and so I will be doing a long box that week. I will let you know what that is gonna be next week. Yes. Yeah. Um, Brian is doing his best to to have to to get out of this. <laughs> uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Just um, limiting it to... Look, if we do it every week, we'll stop feeling so special. It, exactly. That's, yeah. that's, I, that's really what it is. Diminishing marginal utility. Yeah. All right. That's All right. for uh, any of you high schoolers studying economics. But as we look forward to the future, we turn our gaze to September of 2020. And talk about a bunch of books we haven't before, and some, honestly, I think we have because things are still getting resolicited. Yeah, stuff is stuff is th- after this month of solicitations. No, nope. so after October's going to have some stuff that's been being resolicited too. A, a, a little bit, but that's what I was going to say. I think we're going to be most. It's got far fewer. I think. Okay. I think we're going to be mostly back to normal, and then I think probably by November's titles. We will be back in full groove. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Probably some like drips here and there aside. Like, I know. So, yeah. I know Children of the Atom hasn't been resolicited yet, and there's no talk of it in October. So it may right. be like after Ten of Swords. Yeah. There's there's going to be several things I think of uh, uh, from both you know the the big names and from small press stuff that was that basically just you know what we're going to figure out when the right time to release this is and yeah. that's when we'll put it back in so it's yeah yeah so starting with boom mm-hmm. we only find them when they're dead number one this is written by al ewing which frankly all i needed to know i was sold art by simone de mayo uh, this is solicited as being for fans of decorum and something is killing the children. It is about humanity on the edge of space, harvesting the corpses of giant alien gods to survive. That sounds right. No one's ever seen a living god, but Captain Malik is obsessed with being the first. So it's about him and his crew, uh, on the darkest, in the darkest reaches of space, playing with with powers beyond their control. Yeah, that's not going to go bad. Yeah, no, no way. No. Brian, tell me about uh-huh. an unkindness of ravens. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let me find it real quick. Uh, here we go. Um, unkindness of ravens. Yeah, this is uh, by uh, Dan Panosian. Um, it is a uh, essentially uh, kids in. Um, not all the the way they described it is not all witches were killed during the Salem witch trials. There was a faction that basically kind of went underground, uh, called themselves the Raven, uh, and they have started a school. So this is a essentially a witch school, and um, 
the, it just looks super cool, and I like the characters that are in it, and I wanna I wanna read it. it awesome, looks good, yeah. Uh, Seven Secrets number two is out in September. This is being billed as Boom's biggest creator-owned series launch. It's a creator-owned book from Tom Taylor. Uh, about an order that trusts people called keepers and holders to guard seven briefcases filled with secrets. Um, but someone comes for those briefcases and the order's newest member has to figure out what's going on. Uh, I mean, again, just like Tom Taylor, I'll follow him to whatever book at this point. <laughs> there you go. If my buying random single issues of DC Digital First Series teaches us nothing, it's that if you put Tom Taylor's name on it, I am there. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, and then you have Wind on your list, which is a uh, weird one, because this has already started coming out. Um. So, yeah, so I if, if, if I remember right, the way they did this is, because Jen talked about this one already. Yes. Um... And this is, I think they released a trade for this. No, this is was that what originally was? solicited as a trade for okay. this fall. And during that's the right. shipping hiatus, yep, that's James Tynan decided to go ahead and, and boom, and uh, presumably yeah. the co-creator, Michael Dialanis, uh decided to go ahead and cut it up into single issues and release it that way first, just to help get some more product out there and to help help have more for comic shops to sell yes so yeah so number one has already come out yep and i think i think it was just number one i think so two maybe like this coming week okay but what they have done and the reason that i'm listing one two three and four is in september they have essentially resolicited off because of how wonky it was and the disruption yeah. and all this. They have essentially resolicited one, two, three, and four. Yeah. So basically, you can get all four copies, all four floppy issues in September. Yes. Um. So that's why I'm mentioning them again now. Cool. Uh. Yeah. Moving over to DC, Detective Comics ten twenty seven. Um. Which may not sound like a particularly important issue at first, but the debut of Batman was number 27. Right. So this is the, the thousandth issue of... Batman and Detective Comics, yes. And they're yeah. doing a great, huge, big, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, what is it, nine or ten cover release like they've yeah. done for their 80-page spectacular stuff. And just so. the list of creative talent on this is yeah. absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, Bendis, Deconic, Fraction, King, Morrison, Rucka, Snyder, Tamaki, Tamasi, Tynan, Wolfman, and others. Yeah. Uh, with art from Chris Burnham, Jamal Campbell, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Emanuela Lupacina, David Marquez, Dan Mora, Ivan Reese, Eduardo Riso, John Romita Jr., Riley Rosmo, Bill Sinkevich, Walter Simonson, Brad Walker, Chip Zdarsky, and others. Yeah. Like, like, this is just, I'm just all about this. Yeah. It's just wonderful. Yeah. Um, I don't think I copied the page count on this, but I'm sure that this is enormous. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think it would have to be. I, yeah. uh, I don't know, if, I don't think the solicitation tells that what the page count is on they this. They may but, still be pulling, yeah. 
they may have still been pulling together creative teams. It could be. It could be. Uh, the, and if you are, if you're interested, they are releasing a hardback copy of this issue that has, you know, like all the covers and everything yeah. in it. Is yeah. that the same day and date, or is that usually those come out a couple um, weeks let's later? Let's see. Um, two, 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 it's eleven twenty-four, and this is yeah, it is. So, cool. um, yeah, the the hardback is actually they're soliciting it now, but it's actually coming out. It looks like in November. Cool. Is that? But so, but let, I guess they're letting people know that if you want to wait and get it as a hardcover, then there you go. Yeah. So we mentioned earlier that death metal has expanded some in the hiatus. Yeah. Uh, I've got in front of me Scott Snyder's checklist. Um, so there are three issues plus the beginning of a Justice League tie-in, starting with number 53, mm-hmm. uh, that are dropping in September. Also, just to note, there is a Dark Metal Legends of the Dark Knights in August. And a Metalverse guidebook, also in August. So we'll get one, two, and three, those two issues. Mm-hmm. In September, there's not a main series issue, just these three one-shots and the beginning of this five-issue Justice League art that mm-hmm. uh, Josh Williamson is writing. Then October, November, December, we get four, five, and six with... He just have has written in the margin here, specials, last 52... Robin King. Hmm. Uh, in January, we get number seven, which is presumably the last issue. Uh, a short called Evil Batman. And then in February, question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> uh, which makes sense, because we know that this is kind of the thing designed to be... I mean, the first issue is is called an anti-crisis, right? Designed to sort yeah. of bring all this history back together and forge something new. So these three tie-ins in January are called Trinity Crisis, mm-hmm. Speed Metal, and Universe. Or sorry, Multiverses. Multiverses end. end. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So Trinity Crisis is essentially uh, they have freed the, the the idea is by this point they have freed Superman uh, from New Apocalypse and the Trinity is back together. Yeah. Uh, and this is what happens when they're back together. So that's that's one of them. Speed metal. I mean, like, do we even need to say what that one's about? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's a race between the Darkest Night and quote Wally West and his Doctor Manhattan powers. Yeah, it, and it's all the speedsters, yeah. right? All the Speed Force folk. And then uh, Multiverse's End is written by James Tynan. And essentially, it looks like kind of all of our alternate Earth folk, right? We've got President Superman on the cover here. Uh, we've got the Freedom Fighters from Earth X. Uh, you know, now Earth, I can't remember what number they are now, but it's what used to be called Earth X. We've got Captain Carrot on here. Um, so it's all of those. It's it's uh, the main characters of Grant heroes. Morrison's multiversity. Right, yes, yeah. Uh, and. They essentially them fighting Perpetua. Yeah. yeah. Then the Justice League tie-in, which is called Doom Metal, uh, and spans five issues, is about Nightwing on a mission to free the Legion of Doom from Perpetua's clutches with Lex Luthor's help. Yeah, and can I tell you that this cover looks ridiculously amazing? It does. 
Anytime you've got, got Detective Chimp front and center, I'm there. Well, it's not just that. It's Detective Chimp with a shoulder spalder, like a Roman shoulder spalder, and a Roman like gladiatorial type helmet on, holding this like badass looking sword, like screaming, like like crazy, like Planet of the Apes, like screaming. Yeah. With uh, the Batman who laughs reflected in the blade, like damn. <laughs> I can't wait. Nope. Uh, moving on from death metal, we have the last God songs of the Lo- songs of lost children. Number one. Um, yeah, this is a, uh, this is essentially a, a one, a one shot and Lo- Lo- last God has been really, really good. Um, it is, it is basically DC's high fantasy series. Um, and they have essentially created a world here. Uh, that is pretty darn cool. Like I love the the cosmology of this world, and this is just another um, kind of a a smaller piece of just kind of what happens to or more lore about you know kind of this world. So cool. Yeah. Uh, here's one I was surprised not to see on your list. Actually, What's that? Hellblazer Rise and Fall number one. <laughs> Written by Tom Taylor. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'll probably get it. Yeah. I really will. This is a three-issue Black Label yeah. series. Yeah. Um, a billionaire falls out of the sky and is skewered on a church spire, and angel wings are attached to his back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, here is one of the best lines of solicitation text ever written. More follow until, hallelujah, it's raining businessmen. <laughs> um i mean tom taylor writing constantine in that one shot for deceased was fantastic yeah um so i will read any tom taylor constantine content that is ever published catwoman number number 25 uh, this marks Rom V taking over Catwoman. Uh, we've talked about his work on Justice League Dark and on, uh, I've mentioned these Savage Shores before, I know. I could not be more excited for this. Uh, it, it is a tie into the Joker War, which is always kind of yeah a little awkward as a way to start a new run, but I think he'll do great things with this, and he had... He had a short in the Catwoman 80-page spectacular that came out a few weeks ago that was really, really great. Uh, you know what? And I don't know if you've got this on your list, but I did forget to add one, and it's speaking of Tom Taylor. Um, it's Suicide Squad number nine. Uh, I did not have this on my list, but I know why you want to call attention to it. Yeah. Um, so first of all, let me just say, I, I don't know if we've talked about it, but Tom Taylor writing Suicide Squad, this is freaking amazing we talk about it every chance we get yeah well i i can't like it's so amazing i want to talk about it every chance i get because like this is probably my favorite suicide squad of all time hands down no doubt i think um it has been so good um and we i i I know we did because i talked last two weeks ago i talked about it because i talked about how uh basically deadshot leaves the group Right, because yep. he's now been pardoned with a puppy. And he wants to go. Yeah, he yeah gets a puppy and wants to go find his daughter. Right, which has always been his motivation. Well, issue number nine, which is the the September issue, um, Deadshot gets killed. Like, not 
a trick, not a not a anything like straight up like there's a whole conversation with him about how you know you couldn't kill Deadshot right like the Suicide Squad never kills Deadshot or Harley or right? yeah. or these these characters. It's he got accused of that's why you put these new characters in the book so you would have fodder that could die in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, straight up. Deadshot's getting killed, and the whole next that arc is going to be who did it. As a as a quick aside, I think we're going to get more Wink and Airy in deceased going forward. Uh, I've mentioned before the digital first series that is yeah. single issues focused on individual characters. The most recent issue of that was about Wink and Airy. Oh, I love Wink. Yeah, yeah, but if you're a Suicide Squad fan, even if you're not reading this series, which if you're a fan, you should be, mm-hmm. but if you care about Suicide Squad, you should pick up that, that art right. because it's going to be... It's one of the yeah. best books DC is putting out right now. I, I 100% agree. All right, last one for DC. Okay. Uh, this is another one where actually number two is out in September. It'll start in August. The Dreaming Waking Hours, which I think we might have mentioned before. Um, so I'm not going to spend too long on it. I'm just going to remind you who the creative team is. G. Willow Wilson and Nick Robles. Uh, it's a six-issue miniseries. It's going to be one of the most gorgeous books ever released. I have no doubt about this because, <laughs> God, Nick Robles on art. And I love G. Willow, G. Willow Wilson writing. Moving on, IDW. Yeah. Lock and key in pale battalions go. Um, yeah, I bring this up because this is actually number two. There's of two, but, uh, I wanted to mention it because, uh, I did, we kind of haven't done solicitations. So, yeah. um, yeah. So lock and key is getting a new two part, essentially micro series that, uh, is, uh, tells a story of like, old war kind of the spring of 1915 and john essentially goes missing to fight in world war one is what it is cool so good moving on to image we have stillwater by chip zdarsky ramon perez and mike spicer which is uh about a town called spill stillwater where nobody dies it's not a promise. It's not a threat. Uh, that's literally all we know about this book, but I am here for Zdarsky writing horror. Yeah. And Brian, speaking of horror from Image, mm-hmm. Ice Cream Man presents Quarantine Comics. Uh, yeah, um, this is a one-shot special, uh, which, you know, they I, I don't even have to say. If you like Ice Cream Man, you should definitely 100% pick this up. So I've read a um, couple of these already because they, they've they been putting out these quarantine comics online yeah. for like a buck a piece. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're shorter than your typical Ice Cream Man, but I think it'll be a cool anthology to see them all together. Yeah, so it, it, they're putting six of them in this quarantine special. Cool. Yeah, yeah it's going to be good. All right. Moving on to Marvel. September sees the beginning of Ten of Swords in the X-Men line, which has gotten a lot bigger than it was originally planned to be. Yep. So in September, the the two issues that form the prelude are Excalibur 12 and X-Men 12. And then we get Ten of Swords creation number one. 
Is that what it's called? Ten of Swords? Yes. Okay. It's a uh, tarot reference. Ah, okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, right. Yeah. So that's the first full chapter of this. Uh, then the second chapter, also out in September, is X Factor number four. And then after that, chapters three through 11 come out in October, running through Wolverine, X-Force, Marauders, Hellions, New Mutants, Cable, Excalibur, and X-Men. So basically an issue of each book, followed by Ten of Swords, Stasis. And then pretty much the same thing happens in November. We get an issue of everything, a couple of issues of X-Men and Marauders. And then the last chapter, chapter 22, Ten of Swords, Destruction, number one. So I think that probably sounds like a lot, but if you've been reading all of them, other than a one-shot each month, you're not right. picking up anymore. And if you've been grabbing those giant size, you're kind of already at parity for that. Yep. Um, and honestly, since a lot of these books were coming out twice a month, this isn't this is probably less than what we've been grabbing so far. Yeah, I think so. Um, but that's 22 issues running from September, or 24 counting the two preludes, running from September through November, starting yeah. with Ten of Swords creation. Yeah, which, by the way, has a, uh, has a cover by uh, M uh, Miguel Mercado, which is Ileana on the cover with her sword. It looks badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am shocked that you would you would be excited for a, a magic cover. Oh uh, yeah, not in the slightest. Not at all. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, Amazing Spider-Man: Sins of Norman Osborn, number one. So this ties into uh, what's going to be the main plot of Spider-Man: The The Sin Eater Returns. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, like, this is a super, super big, uh, it comes out at the same time, and I, I guess we'll just mention them together, Spider-Man number 48. Right? Yeah. Which is the return of Green Goblin. Yep. Um, and the reason it's, uh, actually, I guess 49 is the, is the return of Green Goblin. That's, 49 uh, is also being renumbered as 850. 850, right. Yeah. And they're doing a bunch of, bunch of covers for that one, and, uh, yeah, it's gonna be, uh gonna be big yep uh iron man number one this is uh this is a new iron man series by christopher cantwell and uh it is launching um you know tony's back and trying to get control of his life again yep. and down to brass uh, tacks iron yeah. tax maybe maybe so uh you know I'm, I'm always interested to see when a new team takes over and starts up a book yep if it's going to be good. So we'll pick up a couple of these and see. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see like where 2020 leaves him to, to go into yeah. this. Definitely. All right. Uh, I'm almost positive that the next two I have on my list, we've mentioned before, but I will quickly mention them again. Black widow from Kelly Thompson and Elena Casagrande is yeah. resolicited in September as well as Shang-Chi from Gene Luen Yang and DK Ruan with Philip Tan. Um, I know that we have talked about both Elena Casagrande and DK Ruan recently. I think Casagrande did uh, a story in the Wonder Woman oversized issue, like the Wonder Woman 750, I think it was. 
that we really liked the art for. And then DK Ruan is the artist on uh, the Vault Vampire book that I'm blanking on the title of that we've talked about a couple of times now. Yeah, I can't remember it right now either. Uh, something blood. Yeah, there will be blood. Yeah. They will bleed. That, yeah, there yeah. will be blood, I think. I think it's it. Um, but both great artists, great creative teams, super excited for these series. And Brian, mm-hmm. Immortal She-Hulk number one, which is also an Empire tie-in, I realized this morning. It is an Empire tie-in, which is super interesting. Um, but Al Ewing is do. it's a one-shot. Yeah. Al Ewing is doing a horror take on She-Hulk. Yeah. In this one shot. And, like, that premise just has me in goosebumps. I can't wait. Yeah, this will be interesting. We do get a lot of, like, Empire Fallout in September as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, Fantastic Four and Avengers Aftermath or something like that. A lot of, yeah. And last one. Mm Mm-hmm. From Titan, a video game tie-in. I cannot believe... (laughs) I'm excited for a video game tie-in, but if there's any game that's going to do it, it's going to be Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, This actually starts, I assume, in August. This is... uh, The the September solicitation is for two and three. Um, It is worth noting that this is being written by one of the co-writers on the game itself and is set between Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon... Forbidden West. Forbidden West. Yeah. Uh, And if you have not played the Horizon games, or the one that's out, it is one of the best video games of all time, in my mind. Everything about it is satisfying. Aloy is an amazing character who... Yeah. Kind of like we've talked about with with Wonder Woman and this current version of Jean Grey. Like will fight back if she has to, but would much rather find a better solution. Yep. She's, yeah. Um, I love this game. I love this character. I am here for this bridging the gap between two games. And when we're done talking about this, I'm probably going to go watch that Forbidden West trailer again, honestly. (laughs) It's so good. I I cannot wait for that game. That game by itself may get me, it may make me get a PS5. Oh, there's no may about it. Like, Uh, I know. Yeah. 100% 100% yeah, no, right. yeah. that's all I need. That said, Spider-Man Miles Morales does not hurt that decision. No, it does not. Not at all. Um, yeah, I've already decided that's what, uh, that's what my Dragon Con money is going to this year, yeah. is a new TV and a PS5. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. yeah. All right, I did not ask you, Brian, uh, uh-huh. if you had any picks for next week's books. So I'm going to talk about oh, mine yeah. while you uh, take a quick look. Okay. Uh, We get next week the first issue of Empire, which, as I said earlier, I am am ready for this first issue. Uh, It's been a little bit of a, I think more because of of publishing schedule with everything being weird than anything else. Like, it's been a little bit of a weird, long, slow buildup for this, and I am so ready for it and to see what this is actually about. Uh... Or what's actually going to happen in it. And then my second pick for next week is called Engine Ward. Uh, which is a new series from Vault. About a future where these 12 overlords who are Zodiac themed rule over what used to be Earth, maybe? Um, and fighting back against them. 
I have not had a chance to read preview copy uh, or anything like that for it, but all of the buzz I've seen among creators I like who've gotten a chance to read it has been super, super positive, and it's a vault book. It's going to be good. All right. Uh, you already mentioned the Empire number one. Yeah. Yep. Got to have that one. Uh, Giant Size X-Men Magneto is oh, yeah. uh, this week. Yeah. So definitely, like those have been so like all the mutant books have been so good. Yeah. So, uh, and the one shots have not been any any different. So, uh, very much looking forward to that. If that is it, then we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit our website at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com/panelology. Uh, get Panelology merch at bit.ly slash Panelology merch, capital P, capital M. If you want to send us questions about books that we're talking about, comics in general, whatever, uh, send them to us at bit.ly slash Panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M. Yeah, Al, do you remember, to, uh, is it just the first two trades for Umbrella Academy that we're doing in two weeks? I don't think we actually had decided yet. I don't know if we did, but uh, it will be at least the first two. It will be at least the first two. So if you want to, uh, if you want to read those with us, then uh, yeah. you, know, you get started on those this week if you want. Yeah. With that said, I am Alex, and I am Brian. Go read comics. Mm-hmm.